Hey, 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 Closet Busters and Bold Move Makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the Bold Move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Well, happy, happy Pride. We are three weeks into our lovely Pride celebration as we do each and every year. It is the month of June. It is the month of queer, bi, trans, all of these beautiful things, gender non-conforming. Oh, yeah. And us old white gay guys, too. We kind of fit in there. But I hope everybody's having a, a fabulous Pride Month, being out there, being who you truly are. And my guest today is somebody that the story isn't, well, it's not new, but it is on the front lines. It is something that is under attack in our country, in the U.S., for sure, as well as across the globe. And most of that attack is coming from spaces where people just can't embrace difference. And I felt like for Pride Month, there's nothing better than to have somebody who comes from a beautiful space of saying, this is who I am. And this is how I feel. And this is how I know I'm supposed to show up in the world. And this individual has written a book to help us better understand the non-binary world. And I'm going to let them explain it and talk about it and invite us into the world because this book is non-binary for beginners. Everything you've been afraid to ask about gender and pronouns and being an ally and black and white thinking. And I love the last part of that, the black and white thinking, because none of us, none of us would be celebrating the colors of pride if we let our black and white thinking keep us in the closet. So to celebrate pride, Ocean Atlas is going to come and share with us about their book and why it was so important for them to bring this to the world. So Ocean, happy Pride and welcome to Life Uncloseted. I'm very excited to have you here today. Happy Pride. Thanks so much for having me, Rick. I really appreciate the work that you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. So I love that you are a 30-something who's like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I show up in the world. You are what I would consider in my brand unapologetic. I'm sure it's not every day that you feel like that. I'm like, oh, some days I'm probably quaking in my boots. But what helped you realize I have to just be me and step into this space of taking this, not really even call it a journey because it's always been part of who you are, but really stepping up to that space like I'm going to be who and how I want to be, not only as a you know, spokesperson, but as an artist and, you know, all these other things that you do, what was the driver for you? Wow. Just hearing that brought back so much, just thinking about myself quaking in my boots with every first conversation that I had with people. And I, I still feel like, you know, coming out of the closet isn't an end story for me. It's something no. that I do every single day and I'm always choosing, you know, is it safe here? And for me, it just got to the point where I just couldn't contain it anymore. I mm. feel like I waited until the absolute last second. And then I said, this is who I am. 
And I think I was shaking for at least the first few months. It was just this total release of energy of all this uh, pain of being closeted that I'd held for a really, really long time. And I think, you know, I've heard other people say that just being closeted is a trauma, but then coming out can be quite traumatic as well. And it, it was for me. And I remember, especially the first few months, just looking absolutely everywhere for something short, something easy that I could just hand to people who said they loved me, wanted to love me and didn't know how. And I just wanted to explain to them, this is me. I'm still me. This is just me being honest. And I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And so I traveled. I traveled a lot and I went to a bunch of different places and I saw how people like me were being treated in these places. And I saw the increase in laws in the United States. And I saw how people were being treated all over. And what I saw was that people were asking the same questions over and over again, or they weren't asking any questions at all, which was even worse. Right. And so I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice if we all just had some kind of baseline of knowledge so that we could have better conversations? Because honestly, we don't need to be talking about non-binary 101 forever. We can just learn it the first time and then have different conversations and relate on a human to human level instead of accentuating our differences. And so that's why I wrote the book because I didn't see it out there. I knew that it was what I needed. And if I could prevent just one person from having the experiences that I did and be able to hand something to their relatives or to friends and say, please just, just read this. It'll take you maybe two hours you'll understand better. I wanted to do that. And that is what ended up happening. And I've been really heartened to hear how the book has affected people. Mm -hmm. I wrote it so that with the specific intention that it would be so readable that people who hate reading would finish it. Because Mm -hmm. I knew that some people would be handed this book and want to know absolutely nothing about the subject. You know, they would read it begrudgingly. They wouldn't want to read it at all. And I wanted to make it so effortless that they could finish it. That's a powerful space to step into. I know as an author myself, I struggled with, okay, how do I want the first, my first book, frankly, my dear, I'm gay. How do I want this to come across? And I went through a rewrite because I'm like, I had just kind of finished my coaching accreditation and I'm like, let's go. And I knew who I was coaching. That wasn't, that was, there was no question there. And I knew I wanted to like tell my story, but I wanted it to not just be like a memoir, right? I wanted it to have impact, which that would have had some impact, but I didn't want it to be another late in life coming out story because I'd already talked to a lot of publishers and they're like, we've already, we, yeah, we've seen that, done that. I decided to make it my coming out story and tools and guidance on what to do in certain situations. And here's some worksheets and here's some ideas to work through. It's all this sort of stuff. But I didn't want it to be so dry that it's like, okay, it sounds like an academic book, right? And so coming from the heart of, I want this to be something that people can read quickly, get what what they can get from it without it feeling heavy handed and I've gone in, so yes, I've gone in and looked at your book and I've read some of the reviews. What you just said is really what people are saying. You know, it, it is something that people can read easily and they 
open their minds or they see things through a different lens. And I think for all of us in the LGBTQ plus community, that's all we want. That's all we desire. We are not grooming anybody. We are not going to turn your kids into anything. We just want you to see that beautiful world of empathy and open-mindedness and what it can do when you stay in that space. Yeah, that's exactly what this book is about. I mean, even on the first page, it says, you are reading this because you are a curious and empathetic person. Otherwise, you would not be reading this book. You mm -hmm. wouldn't be picking up this book. You wouldn't make it to page two. And so constantly throughout the book, it's thank you. Thank you for your mm -hmm. open-mindedness. Thank you for being willing to see things differently. Right. And I think that's a big thing for those who are curious. I love that you use that word curious. What I find is most people, they don't give themselves permission to go be curious. Mm -hmm. They are so caught up in their belief systems and the way they see the world that there is no room for curiosity. Right. Because, you know, everyone who polices other people also polices themselves. And yes. that that is something that is I also wanted to make very clear in the book is, first of all, we need to stop policing other people. We need to stop telling people what they can and can't do with their bodies how they can and cannot dress, you know, don't do that for other people. And, and you don't have to do that for yourself either. And also there's so much fear specifically around non-binary people about messing up and making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so they would just rather not talk about it or, you know, say bad names or something like that, because mm -hmm. they're so afraid of making a single mistake. And what people have told me who've read the book is that they now feel more comfortable having conversations because they know what is a good mistake and what is a bad mistake? So a good mistake is you tried. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for trying. A bad mistake is you've stopped trying. That's yeah. not a mistake anymore. That's a choice. Right. Prior to getting on here and recording, we had had a conversation around this because I remember the very first time I was on a PFLAG panel many, many, many years ago. And it was probably the first close experience I'd had with anybody in the trans non-binary community. And while my friend Michelle presents as a female, Michelle is a very big individual. She's as tall as I am. She's got a similar bone structure to what I do. And she transitioned very late in life. So my mind, even though I'm very open-minded, my mind was having a hard time like Okay. And when I would speak on the panel the first few times and like refer to her, every once in a while, the slip up would come up. And, but Michelle was so wonderful about that. She goes, poor Rick, it's the Adam's apple every time that trips him up in these talks. So we, we kind of made it part of our shtick, right? It became where I purposely like screw up so that we could use that as a teaching moment. Mm. And I think that's when you open the door to open-mindedness and you have those kind of conversations. But one of the things that I know you put forth in the book is even like asking somebody on the trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, which we're going to use your name. Somebody probably will ask you and has asked you numerous times, is that your real name? You know? Right. It's just, you know, they're it's it's just about politeness and basic respect, right? If yeah. if you say, um, hi, my name is Mike. And someone says, hi, Michael. That's not respectful because no. you've been asked, you've, you've asked them to call you Mike. 
So it's just about respecting another person. This is who I, this is what I look like today. This is the gender I'm telling you that I am. This right. is the name that I'm asking you to call me. Why would you assume that you know better than this other person mm-hmm. and that you want to disrespect them by calling them something that they haven't asked to be called? Yeah. I go through that all the time, all the time. People look, I'll say, my name is Rick. Oh, well, nice to meet you, Richard. Or, oh, nice to meet you, Ricky. Okay, now, Ricky is my <laughs> is my given birth name. Could just slap mom and dad for that one. Because there's nothing like standing in an airport, and especially international flight, which that has to be what's on my passport, right? And they'll say, Ricky Clemens, please come. I'm like, oh, God. You know, <laughs> I'm 59 years old. I mean, I deal with it. But you're right. It's about basic respect. And I think... In our world, on so many fronts, we've lost that. We've lost the basic respect morality to like, let me, let me understand you. Show me who you are. We're so divisive at this point. Like, no, you can't be that. Yeah. Even in our own community. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that comes out a lot because, you know, if we haven't done our own work, we've been hurt, we've all been traumatized. Everyone in the queer community lives in a trauma just by not being part of the cis heteronormative society, just by being one layer different, even if it's just one, we are all in a trauma. So if we're not doing yep. our own work, we are hurting other people by saying, okay, I've been hurt, I'm going to go ahead and hurt other people. Mm-hmm. We can break that anytime by saying, I've been hurt, I don't want anyone else to feel that way. So for me, mm-hmm. not everyone respects my name and it it hurts. But when I hear someone's name and I don't like it, or I think it's silly, or I think their pronouns are silly, um, you know what I do? I call them the name that they've asked me to call them. And I use the pronouns that they've asked me to call them because it's none of my business. And what happens when I do that is their face lights up because I'm respecting yep. them and they feel seen as a human being. And that's that's worth it. That's worth the tiny bit of effort that it took for me to do that. Well, but our journeys in our community have all come from that place of trauma and hurt because people don't want to respect who we are. Yeah, They want to say, but you don't conform. Mm-hmm. And I'm using that word because that's what it is. You don't conform to my vision of who you're supposed to be for me in the world. And I remember having those very just abrupt and nasty arguments with my own parents. You want me to conform to make you feel comfortable. But that makes me uncomfortable to conform at being that. And I can't do that. If you want to lose your son, which I never considered suicide per se. But that's where it would have led me at at some point if I just finally not said, fuck it, I'm going to be me. I realize I'm hurting some people, I, you know, hurting my ex-wife and my kids and living some lies for many, many years. But living the lie is not, it's not healthy. So why should I have to be afraid to be who I am to make you comfortable, which is always where the arguments, you know, come to. But I think in your book, what you're trying to do is I'm giving you a pathway. I'm showing you some kind of the playbook of how you can do this. I'm not demanding this from you, but I think it is for the curious at heart who are like, okay, help me understand. Help me be better at doing this. We have these rules that have been ingrained to us for generations of how life is supposed to be. And Mm -hmm. for some of us, it's written in our DNA, you know, conform or literally die. Yep. And so 
when people like trans people break that mold, it's very scary for people who have been clinging to tradition because what it does is it makes them confront themselves and say, is this the life I really want? If I had had a choice, if I had known that there were more than two options or more than one option, would I have made all the same choices? And that's very scary. So that's why curiosity is brave. And that's why thinking beyond black and white is extremely rebellious. Even if you are cisgender, even if you are hetero, just opening your mind in that way is extremely nonconforming. But in the nonconforming, there's also this interesting space in the hetero nonconforming, like we are not going to conform to anything but this. But yet, what I've found to be some very interesting conversations is, okay, so you say you're not going to conform. You are only going to be heterosexual, cisgender. This is who you are. That's who you are. But suddenly you go and you have an affair Mm. or suddenly you go and change your hair and you, you know, have breast implants or all of this. So you didn't conform to anything you did. You conform to, this is what I have to be to feel good about myself. This is what I have to do. So what if suddenly you were outlawed from having breast implants or having plastic surgery or losing weight? Or, you know, I said, I'm never going to knock anybody who's struggled with weight, but it's, it's so interesting when you start to like put this into that formula for them. Like we all are told we have to conform. Every woman on the planet and some would argue with me, you've been told to conform. You have been told to conform. Every man has been told to conform to this is the masculine identity. This is the feminine identity. From a very young age, we were told this is what masculine, this is what feminine. So don't tell me you have not been forced to conform in some way, shape, or form, even as a heterosexual female or male. You have been forced to conform. Honestly, it hurts everyone. It the, does. The idea of a binary and these specific rules hurt everyone. I know right. a cis het man who loves mm-hmm. wearing dresses. Why is why does that have to be, you know, a problem? You know, why can't well, why c- can't people just wear whatever they want? Right. A cis het man who doesn't like sports gets shamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You must be a cis, you know, it's these things. Uh, a cis het woman who's like, I don't like wearing dresses. I don't, I just don't like them. Suddenly it's like, oh, well, you must be a, a lesbian or, oh, you must be bisexual or, you know, it. it's it's these things that we get into. And yet if we open our minds and we put ourselves in somebody else's shoe, I just interviewed another guest not long ago about empathy. It all starts with empathy and the willingness to open your mind and be curious. And that's what I feel like in this month of pride and celebrating who we are, again, Even in our own community, I know there are so many in our own community, and I've heard them say it. Some of them mumble it under their breath. Some of them, it's how they just interact. I'm sure you've witnessed this yourself. They will say, I just, I don't get the gender non. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't get the trans. I don't get the non-binary. It's not for you to get. It's for you to recognize and be respectful. God, if all of us had been told and stuck in the mud of, uh, no, we don't get you as homosexuals and gays and lesbians and bisexuals, 
we would still be hiding in closets and in hidden bars and hidden places, which I know we do in some places in the world still. But this is what being open-minded and empathetic is all about. And this is why I feel like your book is inviting people come to the table. Let me show you the buffet of all the different ways people can show up in the world. And I've always maintained the more that we can show people how to do that, not only will it be better for the LGBTQ community, it will be so much better for the planet because then we become accepting empathetic people on so many levels and fronts, which is really missing. So what are you most proud of about putting this out into the world? I think it's the people who said, I feel like you saw me. I feel like you got me. Mm. Because, you know, as just one person, I, I didn't want to speak for everyone, you know? Right. Non-binary people are not a monolith. We are extremely diverse, just as all people Oh, come on. Are. You all know each other, just like all the gays <laughs> know each other, all the lesbians know each other, all the black people know each other. I mean, come on, let's, let's, let's go into those fucking stereotypes. But um, I get it. Yeah, it's it one was, of those things that pride around this stuff is so interesting. Go ahead, because I want to hear. I mean, I know the pride stuff came up for me in an interesting way. But then as you're saying, the people who start to say things, it, 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 I don't know, it empowers, I don't know, it, I, see, I can't even verbalize right now what it, I mean, I wish I could find the right way to say what it did for me. I guess it helped me start to see I'm having impact in a way I didn't initially see that I could. But what else were people saying that really drove you to go, okay, yeah, here, I've got I something. did, I did a workshop in a small town in Central America, and I gave this person who attended the book, and uh, they wrote me an email later that day. And, you know, English is not the first language. And wrote me an email saying, this book felt like a friend wrote it to me, or maybe like I was finally listening to the small voice within. And it's a topic that's usually hard for me. And I felt like I could finally receive it with such love. And, you know, I would say it's not exaggerating to say that most people in the world do not want to understand non-binary people. I would say that most people in the world would prefer that non-binary people did not exist. And so if there's a group that feels generally misunderstood and tries, from what I've seen, really, really hard to understand other people, making a book that made some people feel understood uh, was really meaningful to me. What's been the hardest piece of not being understood? I mean, it's a human, it's a human need. We all want to be understood. We all want to be seen for who we are. We all want our loved ones to say, I get you. I I see you. I accept you. I mean, I think especially in the queer community, a lot of us have not had that at times. And it's, pain, it's painful. Yeah, it's it's painful on a on a level that is just severing connection. You know, we all want to love and be loved. And when someone can't love such a fundamental aspect of who we really are and would say, you know what, I would prefer if you keep wearing a mask, I would prefer if you keep wearing a costume. I would prefer if you keep hiding who you are because I don't really like the real you. I don't want to see it. It makes me uncomfortable. It's too much. It's making me use different words. It's too hard. 
I would rather you go back to uh, often quite poor mental health. The trans community has the worst mental health of definitely the queer community and possibly yep. I think any, any group. Um, yep. And so much of that is due to lack of acceptance. There's been studies that if even one family member accepts you, that uh, the suicide rate goes drastically down because because that's all that's all anyone needs is just someone to say, I believe you, I accept you. Right. How can I support you? How can I make you feel loved? But much of the time when that doesn't happen, it's because they might have to do some work on themselves. They might have to go into that journey. I I mean, I not in the best ways at times, but I've had some knockdown drag outs, especially with my own father. Like it's not about me being gay dad. Okay, fine. You can say that is, you can say it's about, you know, me rejecting your religious faith, all that stuff. But honestly, dad, it's that people are accepting me for who I am and that I chose to be the rebel and go live my life on my terms. And you've always been told by your own family that you're the rebel. And you've even used the term, I'm the black sheep of the family. And you've constantly struggled to be accepted. Anything sound familiar there, dad? Does it sound familiar? But I made the move like, I don't care. I don't need that acceptance. I'm going to go live life on my terms. And I, I've said to him numerous times, you're, you're jealous. You are jealous of your son. And it hurts to say something like that. But sometimes that's the only way I could get through. He will probably still deny it. I haven't had those conversations in a long time, nor will I at this stage. He's going to be 80 years old. And I don't have the need to like have to defend this any longer. But at many times, and any of you listening, I know many of you have like, I'm hearing this. But what it is, is know that when somebody pushes back really hard on you, they're doing that out of fear. They're doing it out of their lack of understanding or that if they go try to learn to understand, what is somebody going to think of me? Oh, what is somebody going to think of me if I start to accept them? Because now it becomes, oh, it's also now about, quote, me and will I be? I mean, I've sat in too many flag meetings where you know i've watched parents and family members like cry their hearts out about i love my child and i just want to be supportive but it's going to hurt our our family and and who we are in our community i'm like well welcome to our journey welcome to our journey you know and as soon as you can help them move into that space of but you're not alone there's millions of lgbtq you know, families who have LGBTQ plus people in their worlds and they find their other people, you know, yes, I realize in small towns and stuff, it may not, but your beautiful story about being in South America and that person saying, I finally found somebody that, you know, made me see and hear and see myself. Somebody so told it, me, go ahead. No, I just, I hope anybody who's hearing this heard what you said and what I said about that, about that reflection. Because I think it's an important piece of moving through the pain and the trauma. So somebody told you what? Somebody told me last year during Pride that there's always grief and mourning with Pride. And that's why there is Pride, because it is the opposite. Um, and this came up because I saw a bunch of signs, you know, all in, all in Spanish saying, my daughter told me she was lesbian and I loved her more or all these, all these parents with their kids. And I couldn't stop crying. It was, it was quite embarrassing, but, and then someone, someone came up to me 
and, you know, said in Spanish, are you happy? Is that why you're crying? And I, and I said, sure, sure. I'm happy yeah. because there was so much grief with the pride that here I was out with all of these people, but there was, there was still so much recognition of what hadn't been yet or what possibly mm-hmm. couldn't be. And all of that was wrapped in there. And especially with trans people, things can get quite dramatic because, you know, I think with all queer people, people can be thrown out of their homes quite young, you know, no regard to how they're going to take care of themselves. And that happens with trans people every day. I keep hearing stories about that and they, you know, have communities and try to take care of each other. But it's also, it's that much more dramatic because it's, it's so painful that the suicide rate is quite high. And so you also hear stories about parents who choose if they're going to have a child or not, basically. It's not, you know, am I going to throw out my four-year-old, but my four-year-old wants to kill themselves. What do I do? And these parents have to leave their entire communities, possibly leave their state if the laws don't allow it, and choose their child above all else, even if they were super religious and conservative and anti-trans before their child. They choose their child. And so that happens too. So there's there's grieving in that way as well, even even for parents who do all the right things and really yep. choose the child and choose and believe, there's still sometimes a lot of loss there because of the poison in society that poisons all of us, that poisons all of us with homophobia and transphobia. And we all have it. We all have it. We all have internalized homophobia. We all have internalized yep. transphobia. And that can come out on other people if we're not careful. That's why people say, you know, I don't like trans people, but I'm gay. So it's okay. I can say that. No, it's, it's not okay. No. <laughs> um, no. Or or I'm trans, but I don't like non-binary people, but I can say that because I'm trans. That's still not okay. Um, it's still it's still things that we all have to work through because it, it is what our white supremacist, patriarchal, cis-heteronormative society ingrains into all of us until we yeah. unlearn it. So what is one of the greatest things you feel like you've learned on this journey to being yourself? I think it is the number of people that have told me that watching me be brave and take what seems like risks, but to me didn't feel like choices, has made them be braver and take risks in their own life. Even it has nothing to do with gender or sexuality. They tell me that I have encourage and inspire them to have these honest and open conversations, make big life-changing moves because we only have one life. This is it. How are we going to use it? Are we going to use it on the path that someone else told us to take, even though we're miserable? Or are we going to try to create something in this world and try to make things a little bit better for someone else? It is such an interesting perspective because I always get a little Oh, I get a little choked up when somebody says something like that to me. I'm like, I'm just doing what I do. But then I started embracing it because there's nothing worse than like somebody gives you a really beautiful compliment like that. And I never would say I brushed it off, but I didn't know what to do with it. And then I learned to embrace it and realize for them, I may have been the only connection that they had found to that moment to find their path. And not because I'm some guru or anything like that. 
it's a very humbling and very beautiful human experience. And I get emails about podcasts and stuff all the time. And I never take any one of them lightly. It's just like, wow, to be a vessel like that, to be that, that thing, that beacon for somebody in the world. It's a huge honor. And, and sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow too. Cause I'm like, I'm just doing what I do here, you know? But for other people, they're like, I couldn't, I mean, somebody said this after one of my talks, I could never stand up there on a stage like you do and talk through this and share and talk about all the illicit affairs you had. I could never do that. I said, I don't do it to grandstand. I do it to say, you are not alone. If this is how you're living your life and this is what you're doing to hide your truth. And it's not because you intentionally like, I'm going to go sleep with all these men because my, my society won't let me be gay. So here, fuck you. This is how I'm going to get it done. That wasn't the intent. This was, this was the only way I could survive. Yes. I could have taken other paths. I could have walked out early on. That wasn't the cards I was playing nor the cards quote. I was supposedly dealt. And I think the power of like what you do in your book and the work that we all do in these worlds of being voices and, and, you know, shedding our light in these worlds as people who want to help others through these challenges. It's a humble, humble gift that we get to give. And I don't take that from an egoic space. It's a gift I'm willing and feel pleasure to give. And I hope you keep doing the same because I love that you put this book out in the world, that you're willing to talk about it. You're willing to help people understand, here's how you have a conversation. Here's how you get to look through a lens and see what you're not sure how to go see. So um, so if somebody wants to get the book, where is it available? It's Yeah, it's it's available on Amazon. Um, in, you can get paper copies. Um, a lot of people like to get a bunch of paper copies and just hand them out to yeah. relatives they like and relatives they don't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what they tell me anyway. You can also get the Kindle version. Um, uh, if you want to be kind, you can leave a review and help other people find it as well. Awesome. It is meant to be a quick read that you can keep coming back to. It's also a feel good book. So if it's a, um, if it's a subject that has made you uncomfortable and you're not sure that you really want to read about it, you will probably feel a little happier after having read it and maybe even take some of that to your own life and say, where can I be a little bit more curious and compassionate about my own life as well? And if anybody would like a copy of Ocean's book, please email me at rick at rickclemens.com and I will get a book ordered for you on Amazon and sent to you. So um, please reach out to me and do that because I want to help spread the good and keep it moving forward. So Ocean, thank you. Happy Pride. Thank you for being with us and sharing your story and, you know, look forward to what you do next in the world. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rick. Happy pride, everyone. Happy pride, people. Go out and keep being your amazing selves. No excuses, no fears, and no apologies. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And we 
you just might help change your life. In fact, if you really want to change your life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.